When I was back in uh, junior high, there was a novel that was very influential for me. Gutenberg had just built the press, so it was widely accessible to everyone. And it's a novel that some of you might know. They turned it into a TV show. It was called The Paper Chase. And it wasn't exactly the most PG-13 sort of book, but as I look back, they also had us reading Catcher in the Rye, which was, this was pretty tame compared to that. So I know with that teaser, all you kids will ditch your Instagram and go running after J.D. Salinger, or not. But The Paper Chase, okay, it's a book, uh, if you're not familiar with the plot, it's about a guy who goes to Harvard Law School. And this is his ambition. He wants to be a great attorney. And I'm sure we have attorneys in the room, maybe some Harvard grads. But in any event, for him, this is the epitome of law school. He worked so hard to get in. And the book is about his first year and what a grind it is and how tough and the studies are so hard and how it just kind of spits these guys up and chews them up and spits them out. And over the course of the novel, you see how this is affecting him. And he has a relationship, right? Falls in love with another law student. You kind of see that relationship unfolding. But it's all about performance and what are his grades going to be at the end and will he get the right sort of summer placement? And this is just consuming him. And you can see how this plays out in his life. You can see how it plays out in this would-be relationship with the girl who loves him. He would say he loved and at the very end of the novel, it's the end of year one, and he's got his grades, right? There ain't no internet. He's got a piece of paper in his hand. It's an unopened envelope. And he's sitting on the dock of Boston Harbor, and his girlfriend is right there with him. This is the moment. This is the moment he's been living for. And he's a pretty bright student, but it was a really tough road to get there. And he's got his grades in the unopened envelope, and he's sitting there at the edge of Boston Harbor, and he crumples up the unopened envelope and he throws it in the water. So, not very eco-friendly by today's standards, but if you've ever seen Boston Harbor, there's far worse things than unopened grades floating around in it. But he throws it away, and that's pretty much how the novel ends. And I said that was influential for me, you know, and if you think back to where we often are at that time in our lives, you can see why. And I'm mentioning all of that because I wouldn't have thought of it then. If anything, I was sort of horrified at what he'd done with his grades, and I wanted to know what grades he got. But if you think about what that really represented, and frankly, this is what the author was representing. It was basically autobiographical. In that sense of what he'd come to learn about himself and how he was able to communicate that, in this case, to the woman he finally realized he loved more than his grades. And I'm saying that because if you go to the end of our gospel today, this is kind of what it looks like. Yes, it's very familiar. Yes, it's Jesus and the disciples. They're not in law school. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, there's only one thing that Jesus ever tells us really to do as a commandment in his own words. And it's so familiar, and our society takes this kind of language and sort of waters it down or spreads it out so thinly. I'm telling you only one thing that you have to do. We're getting pretty close to the ascension where Jesus is going to go away. I give you one commandment, love one another. Not just love one another, but love one another as I have loved you. 
right? If all he said was love one another, okay, check, yeah, we should be nice to each other, we should do this, I, I love my mom, I love my wife, I love my kids, I, I guess I know what love is. But he says, love one another as I have loved you. And so now he forces them to think, to think back on the three years that they've been together. It's the length of law school, see? The three years that they've been together. Well, how did he love us? He lived it, he witnessed it, but he also said it. Long before the crucifixion, he told them what this love looked like. And you got to go to the Gospel of John to really find it. It's not that the other Gospels didn't have it, but it takes time, right? John is the last Gospel written, probably a hundred years, give or take, after the birth of Jesus. It takes time for them to think and reflect. They would have remembered, love one another as I have loved you. Hey, how did you think Jesus loved us? What was your experience? Well, I remember this, I remember that. Remember how challenged we felt? Remember what it looked like when he did this? And so in John, he uses this language, right? He talks about the good shepherd. He knows his sheep, and if it comes to it, he'll lay down his life for them. So again, don't just think crucifixion, but think about what it means to give of yourself freely to another. And we say in the Christian tradition, we call it self-sacrificial love. But you don't need the Christian tradition. You know what that looks like or what it doesn't look like when we've had the opportunity to love that way and I said, I, I just can't go there. I just can't do it. Well, how do you love self-sacrificially? It doesn't mean you just tolerate something. It doesn't mean you say, well, this is good for you. It really stinks for me, but okay. I'll do it because I guess it's good for you. You have a true sense of self-gift. You see yourself as gift to other. And it's not that you're giving away what you value and now you have less. And think about what this has looked like in your lives because every one of us in this room has some sense of what that is, even if we couldn't name it. Remember that time you needed a new diaper and you didn't ask for it to be changed? From that to those among us who may be in their 80s or 90s, and everywhere in between, those opportunities we have to give of ourselves. And sometimes we take them, and sometimes, as I said, we just don't go there because we don't feel ready. Well, what does it take to be able to love that way? That's why I told you about the paper chase, because I think there's two things that you really need. Maybe more, but two that stand out to me. One is you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself. You have to know what you value. You have to know what you struggle with. You have to know where your strengths are. You have to know where your vulnerabilities are. You have to know yourself well, because you're never gonna be able to give truly of yourself. You're never gonna be able to be a loving parent with a child in your arms, an empty nester sending your kids off for the last time from living at home. You're never gonna know what it means to say to another person, I love you, and really have it mean the I, all of me, unless you know yourself well enough. And that's what you see in that one little novel. You see the guy coming to know who he is. You see who he thinks he is when he first arrives. Oh, this is the mountaintop. I got into Harvard Law School. And you see how he's forced to look at himself again and again. Who am I? Am I who I thought I was? Am I turning into someone else? Am I happy and proud of whom I'm turning into? 
Am I ashamed and horrified at who I'm turning into? And how we don't do that on our own? In this case, this girlfriend helps him see, I'll tell you who you are. I hope you see that, whether you want to know it or not. And by the end of the novel, he knows truly who he is. But that self-knowledge is only part of it. If you want to be self-gift, you've also got to be free. You've got to be free enough that you can give that gift away. I know I feel vulnerable in this area. I know that if I invest in this relationship, I'm going to have to trust. There are going to be times we go places I don't want to go. I'm going to be worried. I'm going to be self-conscious. I know I won't always measure up to your expectations. I know there'll be failures. Just as I know there'll be joys and gratitude and, and wonderful moments, but are you free enough to give of yourself and not hold back? And to say the two of us make this decision together always. Whenever I'm with a couple and they stand before an altar like this, I tell them before the marriage, can you really say that every decision you make will be a decision you make together? And I know there's a certain idealism in that, and it's almost impossible to totally live up to. But that's the beauty of our faith, right? It's something that calls us to a greater way of living, whether we reach that or not. And you see that in the guy in the novel at the end. He's got the grades. Yeah, they're important to him. I'm sure he went on to be a brilliant lawyer, but he was free enough to chuck it in Boston Harbor. And he was free enough to say, whatever is in that envelope, it doesn't take away from my freedom of giving myself to you. We know what this looks like in our human relationships. We know what it looks like when we have it. We know how heartbroken we can be when we let it go or slip out of our fingers. And so Jesus is using that language, that imagery to say, and this is how it can be with you and me. This is how it can be to be in relationship with my Father the one you call the God of Genesis, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now I want you to see me in that same way. I wish I could say in my own personal spiritual life, every time I think about Jesus or God, I think about it that way. Do I let myself know myself well enough that I can bring that before God? Or even before God, who knows everything, but I still censor myself. Lord, I don't want you to know this part of me. And can I be free enough to live my faith in that way, self-sacrificially? I'm not going to watch my time. I'm not going to be concerned about my feelings or how I project myself. Even when I'm afraid, perhaps maybe most when I'm afraid, I want to step into it. I want to live the life that you've called me to. And there's no faking it. We know the life that he calls us to live, example after example after example, hard, concrete, pragmatic ways of living. So maybe just a little spiritual exercise as we get pretty darn close to the ascension. Let's let ourselves be invited the same way they were invited at this point before he would leave. How well do I know myself? And we can always know ourselves better. Maybe a conversation with someone who does know you pretty well and say, can you help me see my blind spots? Where is it that I still need a little more self-knowledge? And can I be free enough to communicate that to another? Can I let myself be gift? And that takes grace. It's not just human effort. But what a beautiful prayer it is. Whatever your version 
of the unopened grade report is. Can we have the freedom to crumple it up and chalk it into the metaphorical Boston Harbor? That's what Jesus invited them to, and I think it's what he calls us to today.